Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome back to another episode of Training Well Done, your podcast on the what, the why, and the how of quality training with your host, Coach Donald. It has been a good fall in the world of cross country. So I want to share with you all a few highlights as we get into this episode, which I want to share about some of the things that I'm doing differently training-wise so that you can think about how you can better handle your strength and conditioning or think about what you've been doing or for some of you who are actually going through this right now with me, getting an understanding of why it's set up that way. But I want to highlight a few people. First of all, one of our kids, Hannah, I need to send her a message. I meant to send her a message, but I just didn't get to it yet before I recorded this. She's a really good teammate. So first of all, she just set her own uh, PR and course record um, in the what was it, the Bald Eagle Invitational just last weekend. So that was dope, getting uh, ready to break that 24 mark. So that was really exciting. She also, speaking of being a good teammate, I've been updating a bunch of birthdays at the gym, and some uh, I missed. And so she made sure to, one of our teammates is like, doesn't train in the gym in the end season, but she made sure to get uh, her birthday on there. And also we do a wins of the week piece and the results from the race. And I didn't get to chat with everybody and they were slow putting up the girls race results. So I think at some point later on this week, they put the results up. So shout out to Hannah because she put her teammates results up on the board. And it's just like, that's just really good when, you know, you have people that got your back. So shout out to her. Um, Mary, also hit a PR, like lifetime PR after battling some gnarly injuries. So being able to run really well and seeing that flow, that's really exciting. Um, I'm excited to see how things work out in the future. And then my guy, Patrick, he won the Bald Eagle Invitational. This All this happened at one Invitational in White Oak. He won the Invitational, which was like, you know how hard it is to win a cross-country meet? It is, you know, very difficult. Like, it's... Harder, in a way, to win a cross-country meet than to win, like, the 100 and a lot of invitationals. The really big invitationals, it becomes increasingly hard to do that, or really any other race, because there might be hundreds of people doing that. But a cross-country meet, there's 150, 200, 300 people. And you can be stellarly fast and not win. That's crazy. Um, but, yeah, he won that invitational. And then, just... What was it? Today's Friday. Yesterday, he ran a fifteen eleven. And speaking of like, like fifteen eleven got second, but won that other meet by like almost a minute. Um, ran fifteen eleven. Like his PR before that, what was it? Fifteen forty nine or fifteen thirty nine? Along those lines, am I know? I think it was fifteen twenty nine. And he ran 15.11. And it wasn't on, I don't believe that was on the White Oak course either. I think that was somewhere else. That might have been White Oak, but I think that was at a different course in Mingo Mingo uh, Creek. Like, that's crazy fast. So shout out to him. Um, if you're listening to this, if it's not too late to vote, go on Miles Split. Find, my, um, find me online on Instagram, coach underscore Donald, and be like, send me the Miles Split vote form. Because he's up for running for Miles Split Athlete of the Week. So vote for that guy. My training's coming along pretty decently. I've been... Water. I've been keeping up with getting my tempos in, getting my track workouts in. Um, got been keeping over 20 miles. I did 20 miles last week. I had 40 into two weeks before that each week. 
this week I'm a bit behind, but I'm going to catch up over the course of the next few days. So I'm still doing my, uh, trying to break for that, break that 20 minute 5k and prove to my kids the value of running easy runs easy. Just on Monday, I actually took a couple of them and literally made them. Was it Monday? I think so. And made them actually run at an easy pace. Might've been Friday last week. Anyways, and made them run at an easy pace and learn like, here's what this should feel like. So that's some updates, some highlights. Now let's talk about training. One of the things that I've done this year was really just take off some of the, the weight load as far as some of the strength stuff that we do. We think about load, we build up load, load being the mileage that you do running-wise, but also the weight, the volume that you're doing in the gym. And that all builds up to be um, a load that is tangible and not tangible at the same time. So... What I mean by that is there's the physiological effects of training that you can you can do blood work to look at stress and look at your exercise responses, but some of it is you anecdotally realize it through tracking um, ability, tracking uh, in the gym, on the track, on the, on the course, as well as with their actual weights that they're able to move. And what I've done this year was take some of that load down and in more direct terms, what I mean by that, in years past, most of our athletes, they all come twice a week to the gym. That's still true. We've generally done two strength training days throughout the course of the year. And through the actual season itself, we will generally have and recently have like an eccentric day where we do slow heavy. We might do an isometric day where we do a lot of pause reps. And then we'll have a day where we do power, which might be something heavier um, I know a lot of cross country athletes, endurance athletes don't get into heavy stuff where it's like low set, low rep, high set. We do that. Um, we have done that and we still do, but it's a little different now. And we might incorporate some level of Olympic lifts at a low level, like split jerks or high pulls, things like that. And it's worked well. Like athletes have gotten faster. Um, things have gone well. But one of the things, and this is especially in relation to our cross-country girls that I switched this year, was being able to incorporate something that was more about repeated rate of force development. Why? Compared to... They just lack foot speed. That's just plainly it. And being able to improve explosive power and foot speed, they have all the endurance in the world. Um, some of it is educating them on how to manage their slow runs because unlike the boys that I've worked with, the girls have a harder time running slow, uh, the boys less so. I have my theories. I think some of it's social um, and some of it's also the spread of speed among social groups. But And some of it's how some of these coaches put them together. But with coaches not necessarily encouraging kids to run easy or encouraging the slower kids to keep up with the faster kids, which doesn't help the slower kids, that can be an issue. And just the nature of, for these high schoolers, they running at a mid pace feels good because they can kind of feel fast. And as one kid told me, well, you want me to run this slow, but I don't feel like I did anything. And that being... Like, yeah, you're not supposed to feel like you did anything on your base run, especially if it's not like terribly long. That is the actual point. 
And that is the outcome. It's not really the point, but that is one of the outcomes you want from that. You shouldn't feel like you did a whole lot. But if you have a kid and she can run 620 pace in a race and you have another kid that has to race at 720 pace, they're easy in the, in the 620 kid wants to run an easy run at like 830, 840 or 810 really. The, the slower kid who wants to socialize and keep up can run that pace and not be dying but it's not going to help them out with their fast runs. So some of it's teaching them that, and the boys tend to, at least in my experience, be much easier about running slower, um, especially if they are kind of fast. So if they're kids who can pace 545, 6 minutes, then them running at 730, um, 8 minutes is just not a big deal because it still feels good. Anyways... So that is one of the things, though, when I put them on a track and look at just straight-up sprinting, the distance boys can keep up with the low-end sprinters on their high school team and, like, beat most of the kids in sprints who are not that good. The girls cannot. And one of the things that still matters is the speed ceiling that's involved. And so what I wanted to do this summer and going into the season was take away some of the heavy stuff because now relative to their peers, the girls are dramatically stronger. I mean, they're, they're just outright strong. They are, a lot of them can deadlift their body weight for multiple reps and a handful of them, let me make sure I'm saying this correctly, a couple of them can just about deadlift twice their body weight. Um, one definitely can, and a couple others are, have gotten close, but we've backed off from that, so we haven't really pushed that. So what we've done, this, and the boys are not close to that. I mean, some of the older ones that I've had before in the past have, but currently they're strong. Like They're about almost twice their body weight. Some of them are twice their body weight, but in relation, it's they're not as strong. So what I was like, all right, look, The girls, they're strong enough, and there's sorts of arbitrary metrics that coaches out here have about what's strong enough, but it was a matter of, you know what, they're strong enough. Let's focus on being able to be more explosive and literally get off the ground faster. So what we spent time doing was two different workouts as we got into season. Well, even through the preseason, what we did was a day where we did we did I'm sorry for the end of summer and coming into the fall we had a day where we did fast heavy timed reps but both workouts at time reps the other one was more of an endurance space so we took goblet squats and instead of just saying hey do eight goblet squats or make them heavy we're going to do eight goblet squats so to an extent they have to be heavy because eight has to be challenging but we're going to time them we're going to get a body weight time on you so how fast can you do eight body weight squats and then I'm going to give you a weight and you're going to keep going up and wait until you are outside of one second of that body weight time so kid she might pick up a 20 pound weight and maybe her body weight time was 8.1 seconds for eight squats well we're going to pick up the 20 pound weight and she does 8.7 we're going up to 25 pounds 9.2 all right we're going to keep training until you can get that time faster and so being able to get them to go from these 20 pound kettlebells 
to being able to lift up the 50s and 60s and being able to squat them in eight seconds or less. So that is one of the lifts that we've done that seems to have been going really well. And then in the early part of the season, we were doing another set where it was 20 reps, where now they have to be able to do this with some endurance, which really was exposing some interesting things about their uh, relative abilities when it came to comparing some of the 8s and 20s from different people and how some of the, what it seems like, some of the athletes who were performing really well are able to do their 22nd their 22nd, 20 rep body weight reps are actually still pretty close to one second per squat in the first place. And then the weighted ones are able to get still close to there. Um, some of athletes who lack more rate of force development that fell off a big cliff after that 20 second mark. And so that was interesting to see. And so as we got, we did that as the second workout to work on that endurance power. Going into the actual season itself, I took away the eight uh, rep squat. The reason I, no, I'm sorry, I took away the 20 rep squat to work on that top end power. For some of our other athletes, I took away the eight rep squat and left the 20 rep one for the reasons of having that uh, endurance. And then what I replaced either of those days with was a plyometric and sprint based day. Now, we do a lot of plyometrics at my at GHP in the first place. Plyometrics are a big part of what we do. Um, those listening, you would be surprised or you might not be surprised to know how many schools in cross country or even track and field do not do plyometrics, even though they are outside of actually running fast reps or fast intervals. They are one of the top ways to improve power and in uh, running economy. And bounce in the stride is just doing plyometrics, which is jumping around. And so many people don't do it. And it's been one of our best kept non-secrets at GHP is we do a lot of plyos. But this session, we made strictly plyos. We came in, not strictly plyos, but we'll spend a lot of time. We might get in 300 plyo contacts between a variety of different types of jumps. This morning, I had a high school soccer athlete, but I had one of our cross-country girls that came in. And we did... To the tune of yeah, about 200 contacts uh, with some hurdles, some uh, non-hurdle jumps as well. And so being able to put in work that way and well, they're doing really well. And then the other part of it is sprinting. So we have a, one of those curved treadmills and we put them on the treadmill and sprint. We get some running drills in and we get them running at full speed. And a couple of them actually running at faster sprint speeds in the middle of cross country season. Then they were an outdoor track, like an outdoor track. They were running 800s and miles. Some of them were even running the 400 and we're able to get treadmill speeds for a few of those kids that are comparable or actually beating the times they did in the spring. And this is during cross country when they're not sprinting that much. So that's been going really well. And the other part is the a wider span of them are hitting really good PRs. And there's a variety of reasons it could be, you know, things that are changing in their body with puberty. But the coaches for both of these teams are the same. And the coaching styles are the same. And even for one of them, arguably more questionable even than they were before. Um, and so being able to see that vast of improvement in their times and to the extent that they are, some of them are dropping PRs that are like, oh my goodness. And I've seen other girls... Um, that I've worked with at times and 
especially from a lot of other schools who get stagnant. And so now seeing how this style is helping people make really big changes um, and seeing how the legs are less loaded has been really great. Uh, we also have um, a lot less nags. Now, at the end of both of those workouts, we do do a lot of maintenance exercises for like hip flexors, glutes, calves. And so that's been a big portion of the extra things that we've done. But seeing a lot less just, hey, this hurts all the time. Um, and being able to, what seems like help with being more resilient to the actual training of what they're doing, especially for the kids who are actively training and may have coaches that are asking them to run a lot of fast workouts. So that's been really great. Um, and this leading me to think about a lot of things that I want to do going into track season with the girls being able to introduce them to actually some really fast Olympic lifting that we've been doing with the sprint, uh, basketball and soccer athletes. For the boy uh, that I have, Patrick, who like, and some of the other boys that are around, for who are already decently sprint fast, but could afford to be more, who did not do the same full protocol. His, and I'm about to change it going into peaking for the season, but his involved a speed day and an eccentric heavy day. So now opening up the door to getting more fast work and seeing how that peaks out. And then looking at how we want to handle that for track season. So I'm excited for that. But I want to share that. Something to think about going from two heavier days back in, in years past where we have an eccentric heavy day, a slow heavy day, as well as a power heavy day to shifting to a speed semi-heavy day. And it's not like a barbell back squat loaded like how I might have done in the past, but it's a kettlebell squat. And being able to do a speed lift that way and having the second lift being... Uh, mostly plyos and sprints, and then finishing both of those days out with a lot of single joint, hamstring, hip flexor, calf, shin, and all that jazz that we've done in the past for sure. That's a big bread and butter of ours, but having a bigger emphasis on that. So hopefully you get something really good out of that. Please let me know what you learned. Um, I'm sure this might be new information to a lot of you. Some of you who are in the gym are like, oh. So yeah, please take a look. Uh, give me a follow. I'm at Coach Donald on, on Instagram, Coach underscore Donald. Uh, if you have any questions, you can, you know, shoot us a message. Um, like happy training. Get out there and go get it. I am going to check out. Holla.